0: Christmas in Heaven. <clears throat> I see the countless Christmas trees around the world below, with tiny lights like heaven stars reflecting in the snow. The sight is so spectacular, please wipe away that tear, for I am spending Christmas with Jesus Christ this year. I hear the many Christmas songs That people hold so dear But the sound of music can't compare To the Christmas choir up here For I have no words to tell you The joy their voices bring For it is beyond description To hear an angel sing I know how much you miss me I see the pain inside your heart that I am not so far away, we're really not apart. So be happy for me, dear ones. You know I hold you dear and be glad I'm spending Christmas with Jesus Christ this year. I send you each a special gift from my heavenly home above. I send you each a memory of my undying love. For after all, love is the gift more precious than pure gold it was always most important in the stories Jesus told. So please love and help each other as my father said to do for I can't count the blessings of the love he has for you. I can't tell you of the splendour of the peace here in this place. Can you just imagine Christmas with the Saviour face to face? I'll ask him to lift your spirit as I tell him of your love. So then pray for one another as you lift your eyes above. Please let your hearts be joyful and let the spirit sing (coughs) For I am spending Christmas in heaven, and I'm walking with the King. (coughs) So have a Merry Christmas, and wipe away that tear. For I am spending Christmas with Jesus Christ this year.
1: Thank you, Joanna. And this is something, of course, we can reflect on for our dear loved ones, and especially in memory of the late Olive uh, Swandell. We get a bit emotional when I think of that, but um, I was relating that to a lady today in the nursing home in the Craigie Road, and she says to me, <coughs> I have a copy of that poem in the line. So it means a lot to many people. we're going to ask, now David's going to come and read to us from Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 14.
0: And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field,
1: keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Saviour which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Thank you, David. Thank you very much, David. Well, that's just Bible prayer. We look to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we want to thank Thee for answering prayer for us. We thank Thee for gracing us with Thy presence and for helping us to sing praises to Thee. That was instructed us, praise ye the Lord. And that's what we've been doing this evening in this traditional carol service. We thank Thee for these lovely old hymns. We thank You, Lord, for the readings from the Word of God We thank thee for the young men that brought them. We thank thee for this lovely poem that Joanna has recited, Christmas in Heaven, that has (coughs) brought joy and comfort to so many people in their hour of need. And let us know all those in this congregation who have been bereft of loved ones in 2017 and even in past years. And we have the comfort of knowing that our loved ones are spending another (coughs) Christmas with Jesus Christ in Heaven. And Lord, that's a great sense of peace to us. For thou hast told us, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. And we look to thee this evening that thou will remember not only those who mourn and stand in need of comfort, but we think of the homeless in Belfast. And we thank thee for every organisation and institution that's involved in seeking to get them shelter, even over this time of the year. We thank thee for those that have opened their restaurants and cafeterias to provide Christmas dinner for them. And we pray that you'll bless their labour of love. And, O God, we pray that thou will help us to realise that it's good to look after man and his need as far as his body is concerned. But help us also to be equally and more concerned with the needs of souls, for they need thy salvation. And may they discover that the greatest Christmas present ever given was not shelter and was not material or food to eat, but it was the gift of thy lovely Son, the Lord Jesus. And may that thought dominate and fill our hearts. May we come by faith to adore him. May we come, O God, to exclaim and proclaim that he's Christ the Lord and he's my Lord and my God. Remember those tonight who are uh, addicted to Alcohol and other uh, drug abuse, and you know all about the lifestyle of many and we pray, Lord, for their deliverance through faith in Christ. We pray, Lord, that you'll remember the boys and girls and the young people, and we, we just ask thee that thou will make this season of the year very memorable to them, and may they learn about the Christ of Christmas and know that Jesus is the reason for the season. Deliver us from a, a, a pagan Christmas. Oh God, help us to have a traditional biblical scripture Christmas by focusing our attention in Christ. Remember our missionaries at home and abroad and those that are far from home this evening, whether in Australia, Africa, Europe, in the United States of America, thinking of loved ones in this wee province, maybe missing them, we just commit them to thee and we pray that thou will meet their need and strengthen them by thy grace, <coughs> helping to know that their labour of love is not in vain in the Lord. And now as we turn to thy word, we pray in Jesus' name that thou will speak afresh to us. And Lord, that thy word will be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path as we close this service tonight. For we ask it this evening. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Now my text tonight is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 that David read in our hearing. And my subject, or my theme, is the first carol service ever conducted. Now, when did the first carol service ever take place? Where was it held? Can you name the people involved? Why did it happen? What are the background details to such a rare occasion? The first carol service Ever conducted? Now, the biblical answer is found in Luke <laughs> chapter 2, verses 8 to 14, that David read for us. It took place on the very night when the Lord Jesus Christ was born. I want you to think of a few shepherds looking after their sheep. There they are in the Judean hillside. That's outside the town of Bethlehem, seven or eight miles from Jerusalem. It was another cold night. Probably a silent night, an uneventful night. And then suddenly the silence is broken. A a special heavenly visitor appears. He he, he lights up the night. And to these terrified shepherds, he has a message. And the message is this. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the bee wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And as he spoke forth his message, then suddenly this one angel of the Lord was accompanied by a multitude of the heavenly host. It was as if they broke out of the the ramparts of heaven, as if they couldn't contain themselves. And they came and they joined him in that field and this is what they said. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace. Good will to men. Now notice three things. And I'll be very brief tonight. You'll be saying well we heard that before. Very brief. The setting of the first carol service. Where did it take place? Do we know? Can we pinpoint with accuracy? The answer is yes. Look at verse 8 in chapter 2. And they were in the same country shepherds. Abiding in the field. If you think of the verse 8, it starts with the verse and. Verse 9 starts with the the word and. So does 10. So does 12. So does 13. In other words, the the, the word and here is a conjunction. It's it's joining the words together up into a, a whole episode. Here's a, a one event that is, involves a, a combination of little events that all come together to form one complete unit. And it all took place in a field in the Judean hillside. And the first sermon about Christ's birth that was announced and heralded by the angel took place in a field. The first song about the birth of Christ was heralded forth in a field. Isn't that Interesting. Not in the temple, among the religious leaders. Could you think of the religious leaders in Jerusalem? Maybe gathered there in a holy huddle. Maybe maybe thought, well, we're holier than the people in Bethlehem. We're, we're better than them in a spiritual sense. They had the nose in the air. Didn't take place in the palace with King Herod or any of the princes. Would they not be considered The best in the land. And if someone was to ask the inhabitants of the land of Israel at that time, who's the greatest person in the land of Israel? Well, they might have mentioned the high priest. They might have mentioned the king, King Herod. They certainly wouldn't have mentioned a few shepherds in the Judean hillside. This event didn't take place in a building. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is not restricted to working in a building. God can reveal himself and the news about the birth of a son wherever he pleases. And he does so in a very mysterious way for he chooses this announcement to take place in a field. Do you know what we're learning? We're learning how God works. God's working to a master plan. See, God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God can work in human lives even of those who never darken the door of the church. Who have no thought or regard for God or the things of God. Isn't that an encouragement for us here? We want to see the Lord work. We want to see the house of God built up. We want to see individuals brought to know the Lord within families. We want to see new families in under the sign of the word of God. And, and our thought is, but all year in 2017, they haven't come in from the community. That may be true. Ones and twos have. And we thank the Lord for that. But 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 many haven't. And yet here's the reality. The Holy Spirit can not only work inside the building. But the Holy Spirit can work outside the building. People who do not come to church. People who think, well, you know, church. It's not for me, mate. No interest. Couldn't be bothered. But how can we reach such people? And the answer is... The Holy Spirit can take the word of God and apply that word to their hearts and their lives in such a way to bring them to repentance and to bring them to faith in Christ. So you pray on for all those tracks that have gone through the letterbox. You pray on for those um, Martin Luther booklets that we distributed around the homes in their thousands. You, you pray on for the internet ministry, for those who listen even tonight on their tablet later on or on their computer. <coughs> You pray on for your family members, your friends, your neighbours. Because it's true they may have no time for church now. It's true they may have no interest in the things of God or or desire or have a yearning for a personal relationship with the Lord. And sometimes we give up and sometimes you think, well there's no hope for them and that's wrong. That's a lie. That's rubbish. Because here's the reality. The Lord is able to work in such a way to answer your prayers. And he will answer and does in his own time there's a story told about a minister's daughter and she was off the rails and she was in her 20s maybe into her 30s and she was big into drink and big into drugs and uh, we, we know the influence and effect that alcohol can have on young people and it can be addictive young people we warn you of that this young lady get into trouble with the place, and you could just imagine a heartbroken father and 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 a heartbroken mother and she's left home and she's living in sin and she's far away from the Lord she was the subject of much prayer she was left in the hands of God, grew up with the gospel and you know the Lord graciously intervened, the Lord marvelously worked, that young girl got gloriously saved wonderfully changed and now she's involved in the work of her own church she's she's playing the organ there she's 100% committed for Christ She's putting the Lord first and that's what we need and it thrilled me tonight that our young people were taking part and and we encourage you not only for the morning but but for the evening time as well this first carol service ever conducted took place in a field outside Bethlehem an amazing setting not only think of the amazing setting of the first carol service but, but think of the amazing singers at the first carol service who sang? Well, look at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, As this angel spoke and spoke a message about the birth of Christ, suddenly a multitude of the heavenly host came and broke into song. So, so it was really a company of Angels. Now, now we're told a multitude, we're not told how many. There were certainly more than two, but you'd think, well, if it was a multitude, it would be more than two, Mr. McLaughlin, could be twenty and thirty. I, I just don't know the number, but remember the Lord Jesus on the cross said that he could have called twelve legions of angels to come and rescue him, if that was his mind, if that was needful. Of course he didn't, because the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He was born to bleed and die in Mount Calvary. A legion represents 600 Roman soldiers. 12 legions is 7,200. Could you imagine that? That's what he said. He could have called 12 legions of angels. I wonder, was that the man who was in the multitude? (laughs) Think of these shepherds. One minute they're in darkness. There's silence. They're, 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 They're there looking after their sheep. And suddenly one speaks. And what a message it was. And then the rest come and break into song. We're going to close tonight singing the words, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It was written by Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley was born in 1707 and died 1788. And this hymn was composed about 1734 or some 1739. There's a wee bit of dispute about the exact date. But We'll go with 1734, and it was first published then, it's widely believed, and that was the very same year that John Wesley was converted. Other men were involved in the composition. uh, For one, the Reverend George Whitfield. Another was a man called Felix Mandelson. He composed the music, and if we were to look at our organ book here with the music on it, Mandelson's name, that would be the tune at the very top. Felix Mandelson grew up in a Jewish home long before he became a true believer. And around this time, of course, the printing press, the uh, Gutenberg printing press was in full swing. It was printing books and printing Bibles and uh, and other material, copies of uh, words and music. Uh, And um, on the very press that was invented by Johann Gutenberg, these books, these Bibles, these words and music, uh, and these uh, musical compositions were all being used by the Lord to bring glory and, and honour to him. Felix Mandelson, to show his appreciation to Christ, now that he'd found the Saviour and rejoiced in the Savior's birth, he produced the music for this very hymn, Hark, the herald angels sing. And we still sing it to this day to the very same tune, the tune of Felix Mandelson. There's loads of history there. The word hark, it means, what do you think it means? Noise? No. Join us? No. It means listen. <coughs> listen to the herald angels sing. That would really be the thought of it. Verse 14 in reality, it's a doxology, it's a hymn of praise. And it's hymn of praise from the lips of the angels. When the angel first spoke, the shepherds were petrified, they were terrified. Yet the amazing thing is this, there was no message of judgment. Surely, whenever we read from verse 10 right down to verse 12, it's an evangelistic message. There they are full of fear. And what do they get? Not a message of judgment and condemnation. They've been ushered into the presence of God. But they get a message about the Saviour, about salvation. And now many tonight are in fear. Fearful even about coming to a church. And of course the devil fills the minds of many with fear. Don't, don't go in there. I remember a woman saying to me that she wouldn't come to the church service or a gospel mission. And when I pressed her and asked why, she said, if I go to your mission, I'd have to get saved. And I don't want to be saved. Of course we discovered that she was living in an illegitimate relationship and that was the very reason why she didn't want to come to the house of God because she'd be convicted and convinced of her sin and converted to Christ. But for many unsaved people it's not easy even to come to church. They're afraid to come to church. They they, they lack the courage because it takes courage and guts to to come into the house of God to hear the word of God to meet the people of God. Mm -hmm. But do you imagine tonight Not walking into a church where you're used to coming. You imagine walking into one of these immoral nightclubs. Wouldn't you feel if you're a true Christian a fish out of water? Well here's these angels. And they're ushered into God's presence. And what do they get? They get a message. A profound message. A personal message. A practical message. A powerful message. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. A saviour which is Christ the Lord. Unto you. In other words, it's personal. Now think about it. The angel is delivering a message about a personal saviour. These angels, of course, are amazing creatures. They're sinless. There's no envy in their heart. There's no pride in their heart. They, they, they haven't committed any sin. They're, of course, creatures sent of God to uh, deliver a message. They're not sent to be worshipped. Remember John in the Isle of Patmos? he fell down before one of the angels and he was told to stand up, to, to worship God, don't worship me. But you think about it tonight. There's no word about redeemer, re- redemption or salvation for the angels that sinned. Remember one third of the angels in heaven rebelled in heaven against God and fell with Lucifer, the son of the morning. And now they're all fallen angels. Now they're doomed and damned for all eternity. But there's no rescue plan for them. Yet, here's a personal, practical, profound, powerful message about a saviour for these shepherds. There's no pride in the hearts of the angels either. They faithfully relayed the message. Who were they addressing? Lowly shepherds. Remember, the angels didn't go to meet the most important people in the palace or the temple, neither the king or the religious leaders. They came to the lowest. They came to the working class. They came to the poor and the despised and the unimportant. Yet their hearts were full of rejoicing. Sent to declare a message. Sent to delight with music. Angels sent to the working class. To the accountants, the doctors, the carpenters, the plumbers, the farmers, the electricians, the bricklayers. The list could go on. It's unto you. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you think you're too bad to be saved. You think you can't be saved. That's tr- not true. Because we have a message. It's unto you. It's born this day in the city of David, a saviour which is Christ the Lord. What news it can come from Christ's birth. A working class savior. Remember, he was a carpenter. A working class savior. Didn't go to the respectable middle classes. The gospel to the working class. Did you know that in India, amongst the untouchables, that's the lowest caste in India, over 60% from that caste have been brought to Christ from they first heard the gospel because Jesus offers salvation to working class people as well as all other classes who'd come and bow the knee. Our time is gone. You just think of this, the amazing specifics of the first carol service. There's three things and they're all connected to the birth of Christ. God's praise, glory to God in the highest. The angels knew who God is, what he was like. It was a revelation of the nature and being of God. It was connected to God's peace, peace on earth. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, peace with God. You can have the peace of God in your trials and troubles. And of course, let's remember peace on earth. The earth is not at peace at the present. We live in a world where there's turmoil and war and conflict, and yet we believe at Christ's coming. At the second coming, when he returns to this earth to set up his millennial kingdom, he'll usher in true peace on the earth. Here's a revelation of God's peace. We've tasted that through meeting the Prince of Peace. And God's plan, goodwill on earth to men. God's goodwill in providing salvation. God is not out to pound sinners into the dust. God is not out to... Get even with them. God is out to change and transform them. Remember what Romans chapter 5 and verse 6 tells us. But God commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Love, leaving heaven. Dealing with the offense between ourselves and God. Visiting us with salvation. So that we can enjoy everlasting life. The Bible tells us, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Here's a revelation of God's plan. There's good will on earth towards men. Remember what we read as we finish in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And listen to the verse 17. It's often not quoted. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him Might be saved He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked And yes if the wrath of God abides in you tonight It's always abided there From the day of your birth And yet tonight God wants to have good will toward you To remove that wrath And bring you into the wonder of a relationship And fellowship With himself Do you know him tonight? Do you know God's plan? That God has good will for you As a sinner. And he's provided salvation. May the Lord take these few thoughts. And bless them to your heart. This evening.